This episode is brought to you in part by Dr. Tony Evans, author of Kingdom Kindness. Learn how to become a countercultural force by reflecting God's kindness. Find this and other uplifting resources on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Hey friends, and welcome to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica Anderson. I'm a Christian freelance writer, mom of two littles, and I'm passionate about helping you live out your best and deepest faith in everyday life. On this podcast, you'll hear from inspiring women, moms, and ministry leaders, authors, and more. Those on mission for God with a message to inspire you in your Christian walk, wherever that may be. Each month, I send out interviews, tips, book reviews, and exclusive giveaways to my email list. If you'd like to receive these things, just head to my website, ericaanderson.com, and sign up. My new book about women in faith is coming out this summer, and I want you to be the first to get all the details about it. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Just a quick note about today's episode. I was so excited to speak with Tish Oxenreiter about her new book, Bitter and Sweet, which is about the Lent season. Unfortunately, I accidentally deleted part of our interview, so this is very short, but please just tune in, hear a little bit about this wonderful book and all that Tish has to say. It does end a little abruptly for that reason, so thanks for hanging in, guys. Enjoy this episode with Tish Oxenreiter. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica, and I'm talking to Tish Oxenreiter today. Tish, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to talk. Yeah, so I want to talk with you a bit today about your upcoming book, which is called Bitter and Sweet, and that will, um, it's related to Lent. Um, So tell us a little bit about the book and what prompted you to write it. Yeah, so, you know, I wrote a kind of a sister book called Shadow and Light, and it was about Advent. And in some ways, Advent is a little bit easier to write about because it's more, I mean, obviously, it's its the build up to Christmas, but it's a little bit more cozy and um, heartwarming. And yet, um, I had been asked by more than a few people who really like Shadow and Light if I'd consider writing a Lent book. Lent is something that was always of interest of mine, but it felt like a whole other beast. It's a totally different type of um, holiday, even though it involves some of the same characteristics as Advent. And so, um, I was hesitant at first, but it wouldn't let me go, this idea of creating some kind of companion for us to walk through Lent in a way that was life-giving and not overwhelming, because I think most of us think of Lent as this, um, I mean, it is a season of penitence, but almost this um, burden. And I didn't want it to be a burden because over the years for me, um, Lent had become this beautiful life-giving thing that led me to the season of Easter, and I wanted that for other people. So I ended up writing it um, kind of in the same spirit as I wrote Shadow and Light for those readers who like that book. So are there um, sort of practical applications that people can take from the book, or is it more of a devotional style? It is a, uh, you know, Lent is six weeks long, so it is a six-week devotional with um, encouraging uh, topics and ideas for practicing what tend to be kind of the three-legged stool of Lent, which is um, fasting, which most people associate with Lent. But there's also um, prayer and giving at the same time. Those three kind of work in tandem together. And so with each devotional, I actually um, work through those practices with the reader and what they can do and how to incorporate it into their daily lives so that it's um, not so much like it's simple. It's 
not supposed to be easy per se, but so that it is life-giving and and not um, overwhelming to someone and not like one more thing to do on the to-do list. Right. Exactly. Well, um, you know, one thing I've noticed is that people that, you know, Lent sort of came from a more liturgical traditions and a lot of people that grew up in like the non-denominational, not done, huh, cannot speak, non-denominational <laughs> space um, or just less sort of ritualized um, denominations um, have really picked it up in the past few years. Like I had never even heard of it until college, which I thought was totally crazy. Um, what do you think it is about sort of the ritual of it or just like the practice of it that people are drawn to that they were maybe missing from their faith tradition growing up. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as every as those folks. You know, I grew up in a non-denominational environment as well. I'm no longer in that space, but um I was drawn to the idea of liturgy because um I wanted something that was bigger than me and older than me. And to be honest, like in the span of church history, the concept of a non-denominational evangelical, especially American approach to um, both church and, you know, our walks with Christ is actually very, very new. Um, And so I think a lot of us are craving the timeless, craving tradition and um, craving being part of something that's both bigger than them in the sense of like literal size, but bigger than them in terms of like something that they can tackle on their own. I think we are used to this kind of Americanization of Christianity that says like, you know, it's hyper individual and it's hyper about um, kind of checking some boxes. And I think um, tapping into old practices like Lent um, in some ways is a bit of a mystery to our modern ideals. And we like that. I think we like being part of something that we don't quite understand, um, or at least doesn't translate well to our modern life, really, in a good way, I think. Yeah, it's like when you think about this culture just in general, it's all about getting things done and fitting it into the box and checking off the to-do list. Um, But things like this are so much more spiritual and ingrained and embedded in who we are, and there is no necessarily... Uh, you know, outcome that we're looking for that we can reach some particular um, monument at the end of it. So that's, that's really true. There's so much more meaning to that um, and so much more purpose in what you're doing. Um, In the description of the book, I think this was on your website. It says in a world that celebrates indulging our whims, whenever we want the practice to practice the traditions of Lent is countercultural. You know, people give up all kinds of things for Lent. Um, You know, what, do do some things have more meaning than others? How do you, how are those decisions made? And does it really matter what we choose to give up? In some ways it doesn't matter. In some ways it does. You know, it doesn't matter in the sense of, it's not like God is there with a checklist or a clipboard, um, you know, making sure we, we do or don't do something every day during Lent. It's not a matter of us like proving our mettle as Christians. Um, and so in some ways, it doesn't matter, but in other ways it does in the sense of it really should be like whatever it is we choose to fast from should be something that is in tandem with maybe what God is speaking to us at the moment. Perhaps it's something that um, is 
is something we lean on as a crutch in our own personal lives, but perhaps someone else doesn't. So, you know, like if, if my 11 year old were to fast from coffee, for example, that wouldn't really be a fast. He doesn't drink coffee. Right. To me, when I say that though, that just makes me nervous right away. Like, Oh, I don't know if I could do that, you know? Um, and so that's a little bit of a sign. I'm not saying God is telling me to fast from coffee, <laughs> this lunch. but you know, that that's an obvious example. And so, um, it really has to do with remembering what we depend on and that we are living in finite, fragile bodies and that our life is not about us and we can't quote, do life on our own. And so whatever it is that God might be calling you to fast from, that's what it needs to tap into. Not because it's a thing you're going to do perfectly because you're not, you know, Lent is not about mastering something with perfection. It's about um, engaging your body or your physical body that lives here on earth with um, where you actually belong, which kingdom you're actually part of and tapping into the resources and the strength that um, you depend on to be a citizen of that kingdom in the here and now. I heard a great quote today. I think it was Annie Downs that said it, that she was quoting someone else. But what it was, was giving up something you love for something you love more. And I was like, oh, that's so good. That that really makes a lot of Mm -hmm. sense. And I've also heard people talk recently, and you probably know this, but I um, I haven't done a ton of study into fasting. But people talk about how fasting is the clearest way that they can hear from God and that God Mm -hmm. moves in their life like nothing else when that happens. I believe it's like John Tyson or somebody that says that he fasts like every Wednesday. Like, I'm like, that's that's too much. I can't do that. (laughs) But it's so interesting to hear that the voice of God has become more clear to people when they give this thing up. Um, have you had that experience at all? Oh, a hundred percent. And I think every Lenten season, God speaks to me in a way that I just completely surprises me. Um, simply with the gift of offering something that is exactly like what that quote is something good for the sake of something better. It's not about bettering yourself. Really, it's not about, you know, with this end game of how can I be more of a person I want to be, you know, and that's why it's not, for example, like a diet or a workout plan. It's, it is all about recognizing your dependence on the one who you're dependent on anyway. So it's kind of like it's revealing what's already there and what's already true. You're just making yourself so much more aware of it. So if you do, for example, fast from food, when you have those hunger pangs or when you feel a little weak or dizzy, it's a reminder of how in all actuality, that's how we live all the time you know, 24 seven, we're just not aware of how much we depend on God for the air in our lungs that we breathe in and out. The fact that we are standing upright, the fact that we have food on our plates most of the time anyway. And so just those little bit of, um, you know, reminders of whatever that is, we're remembering, um, what's true all the time in our lives. And God can really speak to us through that. Yeah. Okay. So the big question is, do you know what you're giving up this year? <laughs> um, yeah, I've been, well, not a hundred percent yet. I actually need to nail this down soon because more and more people have asked me about it. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get that off, I think. I know. Well, last year I did a, a buy nothing Lent, meaning aside from the essentials like groceries and bills, I bought nothing. And that was, that was so good for me. I really realized how much I just quickly bought something without really thinking about it, whether I needed it. 
God spoke to me a lot through that. Um, I've already mentioned in my newsletter that this year, the first half of this year, I'm spending in a hundred mile radius, meaning I'm, I'm doing my best to only buy things that come from a hundred miles away from me, which Hmm. is much harder than it sounds when it comes to (laughs) food, especially our produce and, and boxed goods and all that stuff. So I have a feeling it's going to be something in relation to that. I'm not entirely sure what that looks like. Um, One thing that is helpful to remember when it comes to Lent is there's always this yin and yang with uh, fasting and feasting. Um, In fact, the the season of Lent lasts 46 days, but Lent itself is only 40 days because the Sundays of, um, of each week during Lent are actually just to be like mini Easter's mini feast days where we take a break from whatever it is we fast from. And um, along with that, it's good to kind of have some sort of thing you're adding into your life along the way, not like more to do. But so for example, in the past, when I've like fasted from sugar, that's when I also, you know, planted vegetables in our backyard garden for the first time. Um, So you kind of do something like that. So with that in mind, you know, I've thought about like, if I fast from anything beyond a hundred miles, I might feast from trying new restaurants in the area that I would otherwise not try, you know, to make it, I don't want to say make it fun. Like we're all about fun, but to make it life-giving and to remember the, the blessings that God has given us all around us. And so I think that's where I'm leaning towards. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that already people just hearing that are going to learn something they didn't know. I certainly didn't know that Sundays were supposed to be the feasting day. Um, and Mm -hmm. bring, yeah, there could just be so much more meaning to it. Um, than just, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go without chocolate for 40 days. And this is going to be so hard. <laughs> like it, it there's right. so more to it, which is, I'm sure your book, like, uh, I think your book would probably be the perfect partner for this. If you are going to participate in Lent, because it's going to have those daily, um, you know, verses and devotions and things to go through something to look forward to every day. 